Welcome to another episode of BSC Provision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. I'm not sure if that's the normal tagline, but here we are. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think that's it. <laughs> my name is Aaron Rajamani, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Jesse Richardson. How are you, Jesse? I'm good, thank you, Aaron. We, we finally got there. We got there. Uh, after, after a few <laughs> takes. If you're trying to remember what on earth it is you're supposed to be saying. Look, it's a hot day. It's a, yeah, it's a hot day. Yes. But I'm looking forward to a cold beer that'll waken me up. Yes, yes. It is a nice, nice warm spring day. Uh, and we're back. We're back face to face. It was, unfortunately, it was only one episode where we had to do over uh, the internet. But oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're back. It's good. It's good to be here. That is nice. Ah. So yeah, we're doing, um, if you d- didn't listen to last week's episode, we're doing things a bit differently this season. Um, I, I think yeah. uh, it's not even last week anymore, and by the, oh, by the time we, we so pump different. these out, yeah. it'll be last month's episode. Wow, it? okay, yeah, yeah, because we're doing, the, the plan is we're doing it every couple of weeks now, because we're giving ourselves a bit more time to do a bit more in-depth research, not just giving our kind of general reactions and perceptions, but mm. maybe putting a bit more effort, giving you guys hopefully a bit more interesting stuff as well. We hopefully. Good? Hopefully, yes. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> putting our research hat on. So yeah, be cool. Um, so yeah, this week, a uh, whole new topic. Jesse, what topic are we doing this week? We're doing vicarious trauma this week, Ooh, Aaron. Nice light one. Good, yes. Yeah. yeah, really light. Um, <laughs> and you know, you, you know we, we love it light here. Um, <laughs> And oh, no. uh, yeah, so uh, quite an interesting topic, I think, one for anybody really starting out in in a career in mental health or even people who have uh, been working in it for a while now. Always a useful one to be on top of. Mm, all right, cool. Well, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that um, and asking a lot of questions because this week Jesse has done the the, the research for mm. the topic, so I'm excited to learn a bit. Uh, putting uh, putting my research skills under the pump here. Yes. Uh, what, <laughs> what did I What did I research? Yeah, look, I'm going to grill you. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. You, grill me as though I, I am the f- <laughs> foremost expert in the area. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Your expert opinion. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> but before we before we grill Jesse till he's nice and toasty, um, let's talk about the beer. This week, I have got the beer uh, for us. Yes, you have. Yeah. And I'm actually. I'm, I'm going to say you, you. You know from season one, Aaron. Yes. Just how much I rate beers according to how they look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I must say, I'm pretty impressed with this. Right, this, you've, you've done a good job. It's a hot looking beer. It is. It's it, just, yeah, tell us. It's tell just us. an entire black can. Yeah, it's uh, with a little bit of white writing on it. It um, <sighs> it's, it's it is it is a fantastic looking can. Um, so and this, yeah, so it's the Maku, um, M A K U, um, which is pretty cool. Maku yeah. beer, and it's a uh, hemp session ale. What does that mean? Who can say? But yeah. I was intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess what what kind of um, concerns me <laughs> most about this, Aaron, is you said uh, you, you came up with the idea of whoever whoever's not doing the the I guess the research for the episode can pick the beer, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we pick beers according to like you know maybe what the person who is doing the research would like, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and so I just well, I guess what I find most concerning oh, about no. this is that you 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 saw hemp session ale and and thought yeah. 
Jesse will, Jesse will get right around that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, go- I'm going to get right <laughs> around this. Um, make, make no Look, mistake. I, I just know you so well, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, under, no undercurrent of implications there. Thank just, you. You know, just, you're just very environmentally sustainable. You know, hemp is made is you know good for the environment so i'm told mm. so yeah, that's good okay very yeah, good, good yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i'm happy with that <laughs> um, <laughs> this beer interestingly is made in the yarra valley and yeah. do you know where the last beer we had in the yarra valley is was from it wouldn't have been hargraves hill was it, it was hargraves oh. hill <laughs> <laughs> oh god the, the beer of our nightmares was also made in the Arrow Valley. Oh, so maybe no. Maku beer can salvage yeah. the Arrow Valley as Jeez. a beer brewing region. Jeez, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Let, let me read though let me read I just quickly skimmed this just like a second ago, the back of this, and it's like in ancient Asian mythology, Maku is the goddess of hemp, a legendary immortal transcendent associated with the elixir of life. Just just general nondescript Asian mythology. Yeah. <laughs> is, is this drink slightly racist? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yes. Well, I hope it, it gives me the uh, the elixir of life. Yeah, I'm um, excited about it. It's a lot of... Uh, okay, cool. All right, let's crack it open, eh? Okay. My favorite part. Oh. Miss that. Yes. Give it a, give it a whiff. <laughs> Feeling good. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It tastes like a beer. It does that is there's definitely a beer. Well, there's something coming afterwards though. We'll talk about that more. Mm. But it's interesting. Hmm. Mm. Radio. So um, cool. Not bad. That's a wrap. We'll see you guys in a month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, um, cool. So I um, I mean, I'll take your lead, but I guess I'm most interested in like I've heard lots of general talk about what vicarious trauma is here bits yes. and pieces at uni um people talk about it at work uh but what's like the is there like an agreed upon definition of what vicarious trauma is in general yeah yeah so i think um yeah yeah i guess similar to you aaron i i hear it used quite a fair bit mm. um and and i think everyone kind of i guess has this has this idea as to to what what that really involves oh, well, how, about, how about i i, I guess uh, what, what i think it is and you tell me if i'm like okay. right my understanding i like okay. that I like okay that, okay yeah. so i think vicarious trauma is like so you're working in a really like difficult environment things that you're maybe you're not used to your brain's not used to and so you're and so in like a in like a normal trauma situation it'd be something really extreme and then you're just like ah and then like your brain can't handle it but in vicarious trauma it's lots of kind of small events in like one off you wouldn't really take that much notice of it but built up over time lots of different kind of small difficult events kind of build up into kind of a similar kind of presentation as like a one-off traumatic event or something like that yeah so i like it's, it sounds like what you're saying there is like rather than one big T event mm. sort of happening, a whole yeah. bunch of little T events. By little T, I mean like little trauma events. Yeah, yeah. And that's my kind of understanding. But it, it seems kind of different as well. But I'm not really mm. sure exactly what the distinction is. You're you're not you're not too far off. Okay. Um, I think what makes vicarious trauma uh, vicarious trauma is. Um, you know, I guess from a mental health perspective, working working with people, when we work with people who are themselves exposed to, to quite a fair bit of trauma, um, and mm. we we hear that and work with that on a daily basis, it's the repeated sort of exposure to that 
um, to those stories and, um, you know, people's lived experiences, ah, okay, yeah, which sure. then over time has um, a, a traumatic impact on on the people who are working with, with those clients. Interesting. Cause yeah, I, in my mind, it was like, while you're working with people going through like a traumatic experience, you kind of take on some of that, but it could mm. be just you hearing about those difficult situations and then you yeah yeah so and and i think that's why i kind of like highlighted there within the that sort of like mental health worker perspective Mm. because it's like we aren't we aren't necessarily experiencing that with with the person i mean we we experience the the extent of them living through that um but we're not directly kind of in in that sort of situation that they're in yeah um, but we, we hear about that. We, we, we experience all of, all of that when it is, when it is brought into, into session, which, um, which I think is where the vicarious link comes, comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, I say within like the mental health perspective, because we know that we can, um, we can be traumatized through experiencing, um, or witnessing other people go through traumatic events as well. Yeah, yeah. And so that is, I guess, in, in, in like you know, a form of vicarious trauma in and of itself. Um, you'd still call it trauma, mm. but because I guess if you see someone go through that incident and then that causes you to experience a traumatic response, that is in like you know by definition a vi- vicarious form of okay, trauma. Okay, right, yeah. Um, but so within the mental health perspective, it's very much when we when we work with people who go through those those situations and then they're they're going through the processing in therapy um the, and we we are repeatedly exposed to other people's recounts of of trauma that that then okay. impacts on us as clinicians resulting in vicarious trauma so so in in some way your brain processes you hearing about other people's really difficult situations it's something that you're experiencing yourself in a sense i love that that is a beautiful question aaron that, that, yeah. really, that really is because that's exactly where i was wanting um hey. wanting wanting this to go nice um, <laughs> because when you think about what we what we have to do as mental health clinicians mm. um we're, we're connecting with with the people that that we work with we're able we're, we're empathizing with them to understand what what this experience is like for them and to, to also let them know that we understand them because people who go into I guess mental health care tend to um, tend to be pretty I guess empathic people mm. the when when we when we feel what our clients are feeling or, or what what they have experienced the same regions in the brain light up right when we because we're feeling that emotion. Um, and the empathy is causing like, you know, those emotional, like those emotion circuits in the brain to actually light up. And so repeatedly, Mm. it's almost like repeatedly firing those circuits then results in some of those traumatic, uh, symptoms that we would see in PTSD, Mm. albeit just to a bit of a lesser extent. Yeah. Cause like, I, I know like when I'm speaking with people that I'm working with and they're telling me something. Um, something really bad that's happened to them. I'm trying to like balance my feeling of empathy because I want to be in that moment with them and, you know, empathize with what they're going through. I don't want to be, you know, a brick wall. 
but at the same time I'm kind of also kind of intentionally kind of stealing myself and like kind of not letting myself feel as much as I might otherwise do if I was like with a friend or something like that because mm. I know that it, like I guess intuitively I know there, sh- there needs to be some level of balance because you know this is like you know I'm gonna have to do this with lots and lots of people and I can't and also yeah. I, don't, I can't I can't experience everybody's you know yeah. weight of everyone's issues that and, things, and, yeah. that and when we're working with with people they they need they need containment yeah and, and so yeah. we we can't we can't contain um you know the people that the, the emotions of the people that we work with and hold that in a in a safe secure nurturing space if if i guess we ourselves are yeah yeah like if someone's yeah. then like completely distressed yeah. you don't want to so just become distressed and, as well and yeah. that's it it's that sense of feeling it and and being able to understand that perspective but obviously not not tr- well, trying not to um because you know every now and then things will throw us off guard we're like okay geez that that's hitting a bit mm. a bit too too hard for for what i'd what i'd like in session but um where was i going with that um, <laughs> um it was the um yeah you don't yeah. you don't want that to then be like you don't want to be sharing all of the like the emotions and those experiences as well so it's it's not necessarily being able to match the the client's emotions mm. um because you you don't go to therapy to experience like your therapist being a complete mess when yeah, um, yeah. when when you tell them about your trauma mm, yeah um, yeah I wouldn't I assume for most people that wouldn't be too helpful yeah <laughs> um yeah but yeah that's interesting because it's it's like in a way I mean the way you're describing it also kind of seems kind of unavoidable. It, not not like not necessarily like vicarious trauma specifically, but just your brain firing in that way because obviously, like you can't avoid that if you're going to mm. share in someone's yeah. know, difficult experience, you're going to experience that. You can't not. Right? Yes, yeah. that is a um, that's that's a very good observation. I think um, when we when we work with people, uh, you know, over and over and over again, who go through those those sort of experiences and they're they're bringing that into into session. We, we can't avoid it if we're if we're feeling if we're experiencing that empathy those those areas of the brain are going to light up and um and that is going to lead us to um you know that exposure to um yeah sort of like that, that traumatic traumatic experience but mm. just like i guess when people go through traumatic experiences there, there are a whole bunch of factors that contribute as to whether or not they end up developing, say, like a traumatic stress disorder. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. And and so sense. it's it's yeah, yeah. if if you kind of if you think about that, then you can if you are well prepared and well equipped, um, then you you can manage that in a in a really um, you know productive way that results in you, um, I guess, being able to continue going through that and not get exposed so much to okay, all the right. vicarious trauma. Well, what So in, in terms of like, I guess, maybe making a bit more tangible in terms of what vicarious trauma is, like what might that actually look like? Yeah. Like if you're trying to like identify that in yourself or see that in other people, like what are the signs of that? Because I, I, I can get a sense of like, you know, what just like trauma in general, if I was assessing mm. someone in terms of their mental health, what trauma might look like in terms of like um you know difficulty regulating emotions or particular experiences being quite overwhelming or things like that um but 
is that similar in Vicarious Trauma? Does it look a bit different? Um, it, it is it is kind of similar, I think. I think the ones that really, the things that really kind of highlight are obviously the, the, the nightmares and the flashbacks aren't necessarily going to be there mm. in the sense of it's like you, you're not, I guess, experiencing a traumatic memory, mm. um, which would which would then make that flashback or that really specific nightmare. Mm-hmm. However, you do get the um, really kind of like intrusive thoughts um, and um, and experiences, which then leads to like a lot of that avoidance and hyper arousal. Mm-hmm. So, just because you don't experience, I guess, the flashbacks or the nightmares associated with the event, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you don't experience nightmares about your vicarious trauma so to i guess to put this into perspective Mm. or in into a bit of a of an example that maybe pulls that together a a bit more neatly let's say you are working in um you know a space where it's um you you, you're working with children Mm. who uh have been exposed to um you know some some really um, horrible stuff like maybe sexual abuse and you're working with with uh, victims of that um, or, or even like perpetrators of of that um, and let's just say you yourself have um, you know a couple, couple of young children or, or a, a young a young child um, and then you start having like nightmares at night that are kind of like involve your your children and then like, but it's enmeshed with like the work that you're doing. So through the things that you've heard and been exposed to in therapy, that trauma kind of like bringing that into and coding your own, uh, your own experience experiences. So like oh, that, okay. and that's where like those, those intrusive thoughts would come in. So maybe mm. like having nightmares about your children, um, being, um, being exposed to someone who was, um, you know, a sexual predator or, or something like that. Um, or, um, yeah, so so kind of kind of stuff like that. Yeah, can it? That's but, just with sorry, like the the nightmares and the intrusive. Yeah, intrusive yeah, thoughts, yeah. Because so. I I've also I also like heard people talk about it kind of in reference to like people who kind of just like they stop kind of caring about their job or like not aren't like don't like maybe like their the nuance of their interpretation of their. The, their client's experiences kind of mm. is lost and like oh they're probably just this or they're probably just that or like they don't really like really delve into the complexity of what's going on and people sometimes describe that kind of blinders black and white thinking as also vicarious trauma is that yeah, right or is yeah. that, is that, could so that be an element it of is it? kind of like that emotional um because because we do experience it i think um vicarious trauma is often used quite interchangeably with uh with terms such as like com- compassion fatigue um mm. or say burnout okay. and i, and I kind of like to look at or, or at least like you know with with the what what i've read my my i guess understanding of it is it's if you kind of like pop it all on a continuum it's like on on the on one side you've got your like compassion fatigue mm-hmm. on the other side you've got your burnout and then the vicarious trauma is kind of in the middle there okay right um so we know that that and there's lots of research out there that shows that vicarious trauma leads to burnout yeah okay because people um you know through what they're experiencing and 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 um, you know, those intrusive thoughts, the hypervigilance around, um, around, you know, work and then also how that bleeds into their daily lives as well causes them to be really, um, you know, maybe emotionally blunt or over 
sorry, just had the burp, <laughs> um, over-emotional. Yeah. Um, or really, not, not over-emotional, um, but like heightened, heightened emotional. Mm. Um, and then that results in them obviously not getting as much fulfillment or enjoyment out of their work, which leads to the burnout, which then leads to them just leaving the workforce altogether. Yeah, okay. Um, and then, you, but you can, you can experience that kind of like emotional bluntness or like that disconnect in compassion fatigue as well when you're just like i've i've just i'm just kind of spent emotionally with with how much compassion i am i am showing people it's like i'm seeing Mm. five clients a day and then and they're all bringing all of this really really intense sort of stuff and it's almost like my my bucket full of compassion has just been depleted a bit and i need to just just let that refill yeah um and so you can kind of get that emotional so if you're like kind of running on empty in terms of like your emotional capacity, you're not filling it up by like, I don't know, doing things that fill your tank up, like, mm. you know, having, having a holiday or seeing friends or doing things that you enjoy, then learning on empty for too long can kind of lead to make you, I guess, give you a higher risk of getting into the territory of vicarious trauma, I suppose. Um, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, Possibly, I, I think. Um, if it, I, th- I think it speaks more to like the compassion fatigue speaks more to maybe not engaging as much in those like sort of strategies and things that we know can mm. can help help us cope. Yeah. Okay. Um, which then I guess if if left unchecked can lead to more um, trauma. I don't think it's as it's as is as linear yeah, as like okay, yeah, compassion sure, sure. fatigue, vicarious trauma, yes, yeah, burnout, yeah, but. Yeah. I, I think it just helped, like, I, I say it's not, like, linear like that. And yeah. then, like, you know, three minutes ago, I presented <laughs> it on, like, a linear no, no, sort I, of scale. It's, it's, like, it's, like a, um, it's, it's, it's much, it's, it's a kind of, like, a, a general kind of way of thinking about it, but it's definitely much more complex than that. And yeah. Th- like, I, 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 can, I can see how, like, you know, like, that, yeah, that is maybe a simplification because you can do all the correct self-care stuff. But if and still but experience if, yeah, because compassion you, fatigue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, again, like, then you could experience... Like a trauma because mm. you just in does it like no amount of self care is going to necessarily negate working in a very very difficult yeah. situation with you know very yeah. difficult clients all over and over again. And I think um you know yeah actually you're right I I will I think that was a probably a, a bit too much of an oversimplification because I think as you've kind of mentioned there you can do all the right things and I think it is pretty normal for people working in this space to go through periods where they do feel like they are experiencing a bit of compassion fatigue. Mm, yeah, where, yeah. Where you know you show up to work and and you start like you, you just find it a bit harder to connect on on some days or, or some periods of time. So and and I definitely don't think that's due to a lack of engaging in good self care. I think yeah, it's just yeah. the nature of the job. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is just. It can be, and I mean, almost certainly, if you're in it long enough, it'll be emotionally draining. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely. I mean, it's definitely happened to me. Like the days mm. when I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling the best today. Maybe I should do some of this work a different day when I'm feeling a bit more up to it you know do some paperwork today mm. or something like that um to like manage that because there is definitely ups and downs for sure yeah mm. um, yeah how are we going with the beer I, I'm doing? actually really liking this I am too um, this is the, this is I good. could I could could drink this all day Aaron um all day although I don't think I could make one one and be it last all day. No, uh, that would be really impractical, honestly. And, um, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't, obviously, wouldn't drink it all day, Aaron. Um, 
No. Why Why not, Jesse? Why would well, well, I just think that would be a touch irresponsible. To drink all day, yeah. Yeah, fair, yeah, yeah. I just think if you were to go, like, you know, beer after beer after beer after beer after beer all day, yeah. I just think that would be a bit uh, a bit irresponsible. Irresponsible. Um, and, and, wh- and what are we about here at Beer Supervision? We're all about it. Actually, Aaron, I'm really happy you asked me that because this, <laughs> this is really important. Um, we are about the responsible drinking of alcohol here. Yes. Um, yes. Very, yeah. No. This is an important topic, and I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you. I'm glad that I brought it up. Did yeah. I bring it up? I can't tell. I don't know. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the beer. Beer is actually, like, it's interesting. I mean, I'll talk more about it at the end, but it's, like, I'm enjoying it as just, like, a good pale ale, but there's a bit more to it, I feel like. Or maybe it's just my imagination. I'm not sure. Something going on with it. I initially thought when I took that first sip, it's like, is this... Is this a pale ale? Oh, no, sorry. Is this a stout trying to be a pale ale? Yes. But the more I've got right. through it, I've, I've been thinking, okay, less stout. It's still ca- struggling to find pale ale. It's, but... it's kind of like flipping between the two <laughs> yeah. while I'm drinking it somehow. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I mean, it's literally magic. So Finding it much more enjoyable as it, as like as we've gone through this. Hmm. Um, All right. We'll, we'll come back to mm. the more specific thoughts about this. But, yeah, good things. Good things. Good yeah. Things. From the Yarra Valley. Yarra Valley. Yeah. Well done. Yes. Definitely um, definitely not a Hargrave seal, I can tell you that much. Ain't no Hargrave yeah. seal. I was honestly yeah. at the store contemplating getting another Hargrave seal just to see if it was just that beer that was terrible. Had of you, Maybe had, next time. <laughs> had of you got another Hargrave seal? I, I, had of you got another yeah. Hargrave seal? I would have absolutely... I'd, I'd have just left. I'm just <laughs> been, no, I'm done. Cancel, cancel the podcast. We are out. They got a pale ale. Maybe it's better. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> oh dear. Um, so I guess perhaps we'll talk about like, is there like, like is there something that we can do to avoid vicarious trauma? Because it, it kind of feels like it's like, well, you 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 do the job that you're given. It's like, I mean, how do you avoid hearing those things in the job that we do in mental health? Mm vast majority of clients who are experiencing some kind of mental illness there's probably either either there's something significant that's caused the mental illness Mm -hmm. or as a result of having that mental illness the the likelihood of some kind of traumatic event happening is increased as well so like it's it's, it's just quite a high percentage of our clients and that's it like you know we a lot of people come to come to therapy with 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 a bit of trauma Mm. um and and so you know some things that that initially might not seem like trauma, mm. they you know the trauma po- pokes its head up and and you know through establishing that that really like trusting sort of relationship, people feel safe enough to to kind of discuss that trauma and so trauma can sometimes pop up. Mm. Um, I think it's really like and and from from what I was reading, the sense I got was. Being being very very mindful um, of of I guess what what you're doing, reflecting quite a fair bit on where where you're at, is is quite important. Mm. And so taking the time during your practice to kind of just stop for a second, mm. reflect on where where you're at with your practice. Um, what what sort of clients are you seeing, and is that something that you feel that at the moment you're managing and 
um, able to keep on top of effectively. So I don't know if you've noticed this, Aaron, but I've, I've noticed this, I guess, within, within psychology. Um, I don't, I, I see a lot of psychologists working, um, say like, you know, a couple of days a week in, in say the public system and then a few days a week in private. The, the private space. Yeah. Now I've done this in the past. I'm not doing it so much at the moment, but I, I suspect that will change as I, as I continue working. But I think that's a really useful thing because when we work in the public system, we tend to see, I guess, more acute, uh, you know, cases of, of mental health, mm. which, which then is coupled with much more trauma. Yeah. And so if you're working five days a week, in a in a space where you are exposed to lots and lots of trauma, mm-hmm. I think, um, um, say like uh, se- sexual assault mm. and 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 that sort of sort of work. It would if you were doing that four times, four sorry four times full time. Mm. I can imagine like you're being exposed to that trauma and those sorts of stories every day of the week. Yeah, and so obviously. Um, actually, I shouldn't say obviously because it might not be as, as yeah. obvious to. to um, to people, um, the more tr- people you are seeing and the more trauma that you're exposed to, mm. so the more ca- the more people on your caseload who have experienced that trauma and that's what you're working on, the more likely you are to experience vicarious trauma. That's a big indicator. Mm. If you are working with like really um, acute traumatic sort of sort of people day in day out, that's that's a big risk factor. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was going to say that's that's really interesting because. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it um, in the, through this lens, but quite a high number, if not vast, vast majority of people I've worked with in like acute or even just like kind of, I guess, ter- like not tertiary, like secondary level mental health, a lot of the, like they've all kind of work part-time. Very, like very few people really work full-time. It's usually only people who've just come into the field who might work mm. full-time and then eventually drop back to part-time as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. Mm. It does. When you, when you kind of think about it, if like, even if it's just breaking it up with like different, different types of, of work or, um, you know, I, I, um, I guess having, having something that's less, maybe acute, less, Mm. less really intense trauma, um, you know, having, having a bit of that to break up your week, I think that can be really quite helpful. Um, but yeah, so the more people that we see, um, and that we have on our caseload to, uh, um, you know, trauma cases is it's going to increase the likelihood that we have um, that we we get vicarious trauma or at least our susceptibility to it. Yeah, and so yeah. that's why that's why I think being being really kind of mindful, stopping and reflecting, um, which which I hope um, you know that you know every, everybody working in in mental health listening to this podcast is doing is mm-hmm. taking a bit of bit of time to to take stock every now and then on where you're at, what you're doing, and how you're going with that, mm-hmm. because um, you you want to be doing that. If you if you're looking if you're reflecting on your case load and you're thinking there is too much trauma here, this is actually impacting me. Then you know the answer to what you mm-hmm. kind of need to do there. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's really important. Mm. Um, other things that can be really quite helpful for avoiding vicarious trauma is um, engaging in PD to on on that on that specific sort of topic. So professional development. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. professional development. So yeah. um, professional development on how to treat trauma. Professional mm. um, development on trauma. Um, specific types of trauma. Okay. Those sorts of things. People find 
that when they have more training, they feel more competent. Yeah. They feel more competent to be able to handle and manage what, what is kind of thrown at them in that, Mm. in that space. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been researched and, 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 and has been shown that it's like, there is much greater sense of hopelessness, um, you know, from clinicians who don't have as much training in the area of trauma that they're working in, Mm. um, compared to those that do. And, and that hopelessness is, is, is very much like you, you could, it makes sense when you think about it. Um, I don't have enough of an understanding about this. I'm not, I'm not as adequately trained as maybe I, I should be, um, and then because of that, I'm, I'm not able to manage it effectively. I'm not able to maybe recognize and identify things a bit, a bit, um, you know, as, as well as I should. And therefore there, there, there's that hopeless sense of, well, this is, this is all too much. I can't do this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, mm. because it's about doing work to shape the way that your brain will react to particular situations to an extent. Yes. Yeah. And one of the the big things I think I didn't, I didn't highlight when we were talking about like the impacts of trauma that Mm. that I probably should have, but I'll I'll touch on now is similar to what people experience when they go through trauma and they experience PTSD is Mm. their schemas, their worldviews and their core beliefs change. Mm. So the way they view the world changes. And, and that is something that we see in people with vicarious trauma. Yeah, okay. So they, through repeated exposure to these these traumas from other people and, and going through that, their views about the world, their views about themselves and, you know, the schemas that are associated with that, they change over time. And so they, and, and as I'm sure you can imagine, someone like if having vi- vicarious trauma, they become a lot more, you know, maybe unhelpful, pessimistic or like... Yeah. Um, more, you know, more capable of causing distress. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's say I'm someone who is experiencing vicarious trauma. That's something that I'm like, oh, what you've said really resonates with me. I feel like, you know, something about the way that I think about work and stuff has really changed. And maybe that's vicarious mm. trauma. What do I, like, what's the, what's the next step to yeah. that? Like, how do I, yeah. Aaron, um, let's say you and I didn't work in mental health care mm. and you could, you could see that I was, I was experiencing a fair bit of trauma, yeah. a fair bit of psychological distress associated with the trauma. Yeah. What would you tell me to do? <laughs> I, would, I would say, I know this really great psychologist, Jesse, and like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you yeah. should <laughs> hit him up. Yeah. But you just yeah. answered your own question. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, knowing, knowing, um, and identifying that you are experiencing that distress and, and that you maybe, um, are experiencing vicarious trauma is one thing doing, doing what you need to do about it is another. So seeking, um, you know, professional support for that, um, going and engaging in your own, your own therapy, um, engaging in good self-care, getting, getting back on top of those, the, the basics and, and, you know, good supervision and all those sorts of things. Mm. Um, social connections, both help with vicarious trauma and help to prevent it. So we know all the things that yeah. help help prevent trauma and 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 yeah. And and it's it's quite interesting. It's because it's like I don't know about you Aaron, but when I was um when I was going through my training, it was just constantly drilled into us good self-care, have good boundaries, take your breaks, you know, when you're allocated breaks and and mm. like all, all of that sort of stuff. Make sure you are engaging in good self-care and and this is this is why. 
This is why. Because if you want a long-lasting career, I think, in mental health, especially, I guess, if you're working more on the pointy end of that with some people who are really quite quite traumatized, then this is just what you need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, there's no... Yeah, this is just the nature of the work. Yeah. Is, yeah, you need to prepare yourself. You can't just mm. go in and hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a difficult job to be prepared, just like any mm. other job that is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, I think, um, again... I shouldn't say obviously because I just don't think I don't like that word. <laughs> I feel like it um, yeah. feels like feels like the the one person is like I didn't yeah, think of that. Yeah, you think that, I'm an idiot. That's that's, ex- that's exactly it. that's exactly it. So I'm I'm gonna pull myself up when I say that because I, I don't think I should be saying it. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. If you if you have experienced your own traumas in the past as well, mm. um. And, and you work in mental health and you work with people who are traumatized and that's something you need to be mindful of as well and need to be, you you are more susceptible to to experiencing vicarious trauma. The research shows that. Yeah, okay. And so very, you know, and, and you know, this is, again, this is very standard for, I think, everybody working in mental health care. Know where you came from. Know what, know what, what has made you, you. Because if you can, you know, in, in, if you have that understanding and you are able to reflect mm. on that and you know those sorts of things, you're going to be a better clinician, better, um, you're going to be a much better off clinician for that than if you, if you're going to sail into the fog. <laughs> it's very wise advice, Jesse. Thank you. Getting Thank a real, you. like, you know, sage wisdom vibe from you at the moment. I'm really liking it. It took, it only, only took, uh, one, one season and, uh, <laughs> one episode of season two for, for something to, to, to come out and, and probably have to wait as long again between episodes for, for me to say something bloody, was, bloody useful. It was, it was worth the wait, honestly. I'm glad. <laughs> it, was, it was hard, but you know, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it is, um, yeah, it's definitely a really interesting topic, and I think, um, you know, there's there's even services out there. I know I've I've done some um, training, courtesy of of Headspace when I was doing a placement with them mm. in my um, my uni degree. They um, did one on on vicarious trauma. You know, burnout and, and compassion fatigue and that was run through uh you know the blue knot foundation mm-hmm. so there is there is training on this if you want to if you want to you know get a bit more on top of it um i'm sure they will do a much better job of explaining things mm-hmm. and helping to give give good tips and advice on how to manage this than i ever will um but uh, you know, yeah, if this is something that, that is kind of resonating with you at the moment or you're thinking, yes, I want to, I want to explore this, there is, there is um, loads of, of PD out there for, for you if you, okay. if you want to take it. Yeah, maybe we'll put a couple of links in the description of this episode as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that sounds like a good idea. Right? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Sweet. Mm. Um, yeah, awesome. That was so good. I learned a lot. That was great. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Is, there, is there anything else you want to? You you wanted to know or, or anything that kind of um stood out at all? No pressure if there's if there's well, not. I feel I, I feel a lot of pressure to ask a good question now, Jesse. <laughs> Which is no, no, yeah, no, no, no. You, you have asked you have asked very good questions throughout the course of this of this chat. Um, uh, so so very very good, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you, appreciate yes. it. Um, uh, I did actually have a question. Um, it was related to social work. 
um we'll cut out this silence while i think about it <laughs> it was to do with um it'll yeah look it's never gonna come Stop to it. yeah like, who yeah. cares about mental health i don't care it's, yeah. it's stupid I feel like this has like been the most tame podcast that I have ever been in. I can't, I can't wait for you to do the do the research next time, and for me to just be absolutely unhinged. Um, <laughs> I feel like there was much more pressure on me to come up with something like um useful in today's today's episode. Oh uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. Mm. So it's about like um knowing yourself. I thought that was a really interesting point. Um. And I think that's really relevant, not just to this, but I guess in mental health in general, um, knowing why you, why you, why you're doing what you do helps you to stay doing challenging work for longer. Mm. Yeah. It's cause it's, it's, I think, um, I mean, even like, like even before mental health in like university level where people, I know people who dropped out throughout the degree and often it was like, the the reason why when they were speaking to them like oh how come you're leaving it's like this isn't really what I thought it would be or I like the the elements that they they were just like I just want some you know practical skills so I can go help people and then mm. that'll be it but you could tell like the the underlying reasons why they were doing that were kind of not really there and then when it became like oh this is complicated technical kind of work and this is at times really not very fun or very like exactly what I want to do. And it really kind of was like, um, and they, they're just kind of like, oh, this is mm. just too hard. I don't want to kind of do this anymore. Um, it was kind of like the attitude of I'm here to, you know, I'm here to save people and do the thing, but you know, the passion for doing the job really well at like yeah. a technical level, is it the, really there? I love the sense of like, you know, I'm here to save people. Yeah. <laughs> and then realizing, and then realizing, holy shit, we all need saving. Yeah. Like, <laughs> terrible um, motivation to work yeah, in mental health. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's knowing like, you know, we have clients that we work with who, who grind our gears sometimes who get like, you know, who get on our, our nerves, mm. knowing where that's coming from. Yeah. Why? What is it about that? Yeah. Why is that causing you? the emotional reaction that you are experiencing right now, unpacking that. So knowing yourself, because if you know that mm. you're going to be better equipped and, and like, if you know and work through it, you're going to be better equipped at managing it when it, when it rears its head into, into session. Yeah. Um, that's going to make you a better clinician. Yeah. It's going to give you not only like, isn't like, it's going to motivate you to like knowing why you're in it and who you are will motivate you to work on yourself and be better at yeah better at it yeah mm. um yeah that's that's like that's 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 not something you really get the tools in for in like uni really is like knowing yourself better no <laughs> and that's that's why it actually it, it can it, it is really useful to um you know if if you feel you need to to go and go and engage in some therapy yourself. Mm. Um, to work through some of these things, um, you know, if, if it's for the for the goal and the purpose of making you a better clinician, I think that's a fantastic thing to to get around. Um, if it's if it's um, you know for any any other reason, also, I think that is also a fantastic thing yeah, to yeah, get around. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely. Um, I think there's sometimes can be this sense of. Um, uh, you know, the people that we're seeing or, you know, the, 
when we see therapists or when, when the general population sees therapists, they, they, they can sometimes be, I think, this romantic view of this, this person is this complete mm. being yeah, yeah. That, that has kind of got that sorted. And, and it's like you, you peel away at the surface and it's like, no, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I will be the first to like put my hand up and be like, case in point, no. Um, and, and so that, yeah. I think I think knowing that, working through that to, to make you um, I guess a bit a bit better as, as a clinician and to just even even function better in, in life is, is really quite quite handy. Yeah. A bit of humility and a bit of self awareness goes a long way in this yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Cool, cool. All right. Awesome. How about we get to the exciting end of the podcast with our review of the Marco. Yes. Hemp Session Ale. What is a Session Ale? I don't know. Maybe what I'm tasting is what all Session Ales yeah. are like, but I don't know what that means. I've never, yeah, I've never quite understood what a Session Ale is, but. Yeah, it's good I for just a assume, sesh. That's, that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> I was going to say, if I want to have a bit of a sesh, um, um, a very responsible sesh of that. <laughs> Very um, then I would get a session ale. Yeah, 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 I think it's it's something that like um I I've always in the the session ales that I've drunk they're they're very easy to drink beers they're not too um overwhelming mm. on the taste buds although this one at the start first sip I will admit I was like okay this is this is a tad overwhelming mm. but the more I drank it the more I was like get me another one <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it was like yeah. kind of like a bit like pale ale kind of bite at the start yeah. and the end becomes like malty and like has like kind of strange not unpleasant but different kind of flavor that i'm mm. not used to maybe that's the hempiness i really liked it mm. um i i wish before i gave this review i could have another sip but i've actually finished the can oh Jess, that's <laughs> a good sign yeah yeah you. this is um this is much better than Har- hargraves hill <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, Valley, well done. You've redeemed yourself. Yeah. This, I mean, like, we are obviously the judge of beer brewing regions, mm. Um, the, mm. the final judge. And yeah, yes. look, well done. Congratulations. <laughs> we'll send you your award in the mail. But yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, look, it's a, it's a beautiful looking can that actually has a good beer inside, which mm. I feel like is pretty unusual yeah um so this is it's the whole package yeah. only downside is the text of the back is slightly racist so take that into your consideration when you're buying this beer yeah I, I would definitely would <laughs> so weird <laughs> just abstract asian with all like yeah. they don't even bother to like think like to actually like ask some kind of culture to like if they wanted to like it's, oh, it's just yeah. so, so bad <laughs> uh so bad <laughs> Stupid. Okay, but um, yeah, cool. But yeah, no, cool. Um, what would you rate it out of ten? Uh, well, it says on here. Oh no! Wait, weren't we going to do like a different rating system now? Like a worst beer ever. It's it's fine. Best beer ever. A three point rating system. Yeah, cause like, cause I feel like every time I drink a beer, it's like almost the same rating every time, or it's like point five or yeah, point okay. two five. Like, okay. I feel like it's kind of like. Okay. But but we we could not have to do that. We don't have to. Uh, what do you think? We're live live on the air. We're gonna I wanna, make this call. I, I don't want to clump in a lot of like, because I I feel like there's gonna be a lot of just. Not the worst beer ever. Not the best beer yeah. ever. Mid mid tier. Yeah, yeah, so we'll have that. That's like the fine beer, like the beer that. 
I w- you know, you'd recommend. But like, but but you the, want it's not like a the, mind-blowing beer. The problem is it's too vague because if it's not <laughs> the worst beer, yeah, and it's not like you could have like so the the, the best beer is a ten out of ten, and no, it's like a no, nine point no, no, five no. is is not the best beer, no, but no, it's also no, not no, the no. worst beer, no, no. and so you could be I could be drinking like a nine point five, and yeah. it's getting clumped in with the one point one. No, no, no. Like you know, you, like, you're misunderstanding. <laughs> It's not that it's 10 out of 10. It's just that it's like a fine beer that you'd recommend, a terrible beer you, you wouldn't want to drink, okay. and a really good beer that's better than most. Yes. Oh, okay. No. Okay. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. I will, I will take that on board. We haven't, we haven't even given yeah. out a 10 out of 10 yet, have we? Well, that's probably because in season one, our rating system was out of five. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I don't think we did give a give a five. Okay. I'm I'm always a bit. I'm I'm that person who who never rates something as either completely true or completely untrue or okay, like yeah. a five now or I'm, a I'm zero. For, I'm, I'm forcing some simplicity here, so people know what they're getting. This is a beer that I would I would encourage all of our listeners to get out and try. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. Look, aside, yeah. Look. I think I would say, yeah, best beer ever. Best beer ever. Good. You've good. liked this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say, I, I would definitely drink this again, actually. It's very good because you are not, you are not really the biggest, um, I think, you know, session ale. Yeah. Def- like, you love your stouts. Yeah, I like dark yeah. beers, but I mean, I don't mind a, a pale ale on a hot day and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. It's a good kind of mm. mix between some of those heavier, more like complex flavors and some freshness. Mm. It's good. Yeah. Jeez, it's no VB though, is it? Ain't no VB. Ain't no VB. No VB. All right. Well. No, very good, Aaron. I'm very um very happy that you got got this uh this beer today. Yeah. Selected this one for us. It was fantastic. I look forward to drinking it again. Delish. All right. Yeah. Um. Well. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our second episode of season two. Thanks for coming back on board with us. Um. Yeah. Very keen for the next one, which will be in another couple of weeks. Yeah. And that'll be. Doing some fun. Wait, we're not committing to two weeks. But it was a month. Oh, was it a month? Oh, I'm very sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Okay, it's a month. I'm sorry. Oh god. But but they're much more dense and action packed than they've ever been. So it'll definitely be worth the wait. (laughs) Also, we just got a lot on. It's a lot to do. Get a load of this clown. It's too much. Okay, guys, give us a break. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Beer Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. Or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Beer Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time.